Welcome to this episode of Sound Bites, a podcast series produced by the National Psoriasis Foundation, the nation's leading organization for individuals living with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. In each episode, someone who lives with psoriatic disease, a loved one, or an expert will share insights with you on living well. If you like what you hear today, please subscribe to our podcast and join us every month at SoundBites for more insights on understanding, managing, and thriving with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. My name is Corinne Pettit, and joining me today to discuss aspects of emotional health tied to psoriasis is dermatologist Dr. Ariane Shadi Karosh, Assistant Professor of Dermatology at Harvard Medical School and the Dermatology Department Director of Community Health at Massachusetts General Hospital where she is also a staff dermatologist. Also joining us is psychiatrist Dr. Theodore Stern, chief of the Avery D. Weissman Psychiatry Consultation Services and professor of psychiatry at Harvard Medical School. Together, they've written a book called Facing Psoriasis, which offers information about living with the disease in an informative and caring approach. Facing psoriasis means moving towards acceptance of the disease and learning how to overcome potential anxiety, depression, stress, fear, and other emotions. Dr. Kroosh and Dr. Stern are here to help offer insights and potential solutions that reframe perspectives on life and our emotional health. Welcome, Dr. Kroosh and Dr. Stern. Thank you for coming back to SoundBites. It's great to have you back to talk about the emotions associated with psoriasis. So to start, when someone is diagnosed with psoriasis, what are some common feelings to expect? The feelings that most people experience initially is surprise, anxiety, fear, uncertainty of what is going on and whether it will progress or how it will adversely affect their life. If it leads to more alienation and isolation with or without teasing on the part of other people, people may get demoralized, discouraged, and depressed just as an emotion or as a syndrome called major depression. So our job is to help people identify what it is they're going through and find the right path to management and cure. And Dr. Crowe, should someone blame themselves for developing psoriasis or how severe his or her disease may be? Well, I try to reassure my patients that no one should ever blame themselves for having psoriasis or blame themselves for having any skin condition. We know with psoriasis, that there's a genetic tendency that makes a person vulnerable to having the skin condition, and that we should do our best to become educated about what the triggers are so that we can control them and do our best to avoid them. But as Dr. Stern says, I notice in my patients when they're diagnosed, all of these feelings of potentially blaming themselves, confusion, fear, I think that they feel fear because of the lack of knowledge of things that can be scary for a person. Also, because there's so much misinformation on the internet, so many things that are incorrect and confusing about the causes of psoriasis. And I think that that can cause people to have negative emotions like fear and potentially blaming themselves. And also that there are all these products that are falsely claiming to help with no scientific research behind them. And so sometimes patients will come to me having already spent money on these products and being so frustrated and thinking that maybe nothing might help them when they really just haven't had the correct treatment. And so I think that a lot of the negative feelings that people get is because of the lack of information and the confusion before they find a doctor. And then sometimes they feel alienation because of how their skin looks. 
I've had patients tell me that they don't want to ever wear a swimsuit or go to the beach because they don't want anyone to see their skin. And I don't want any of my patients to miss out on any aspects of their life because they feel that way. And so that's why our role as physicians is to do our best to educate and empower patients so that we can help them improve it, but also neutralize these feelings of fear and blame and replace that with empowerment. And that's the major reason why Dr. Stern and I wrote our, our guide for patients, which is called Facing Psoriasis, because we are hoping that with writing educational books like this, we can replace these feelings like fear and blame with knowledge and encourage our patients to become more knowledgeable and empowered to take charge of their skin condition. Yeah, knowledge is definitely the first step towards feeling better about psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. So Dr. Stern, can you talk about the physical impact of stress, especially when it's a cyclic or ongoing pattern? We know stress is a trigger for psoriasis. It's a great question. And the words stress and anxiety mean different things to different people. Both of them can be a part of normal life, but they also can be extreme, persistent, or viewed as pathological. When it comes to anxiety, many people feel anxious, like before an exam, but that doesn't mean they have an anxiety disorder. Anxiety disorders come in a variety of types, like social anxiety, claustrophobia, panic attacks or panic disorder, generalized anxiety, or to have preoccupation about bodily symptoms and may have illness anxiety disorder or a somatoform disorder. When it comes to stress, we like to think that stress is a bad thing, but some types of stress are normal, just like the stress of exercising with weights. You purposefully try to exercise against some resistance to build your capacity and to get stronger. So in the world of stress and its terminology, there's stress, there's eustress, and there's distress. And part of it is how we identify or categorize what it is we're facing. And by our redefinition and reframing of the problem, it no longer becomes onerous, unmanageable, and out of our control, but it becomes something that we can use to feel better and stronger and more capable. And these are strategies that have been known at least since the first half of the 20th century, when Hans Seelig and Walter Cannon talked about the fight or flight reaction in response to dangerous or potentially dangerous situations in which the body releases stress hormone or adrenaline from the adrenal glands in order to prepare our muscles to run or to fight. So part of this is figuring out whether the person who's running a track and field event and just before the event feels butterflies in their stomach, they could view that as being afraid and apprehensive or they could interpret that as showing that their body's physiology is preparing them for 
top performance in the race ahead. So redefining, reframing is a useful strategy. That's a great way to reframe how to look at stress. So if someone's feeling anxious about their appearance, can you give suggestions as to how to overcome that anxiety? Well, most people are apprehensive about how they look, and they often deliberate as to what to wear or whether to wear makeup or how they appear to others and what that means to others. But for some people, it becomes an obsession, and they can't go off to do other things because they're incredibly preoccupied with their body, their body image, and the management of it. If you turn your normal apprehensions into something that's excessive preoccupation, that's where seeking help from a healthcare provider and a mental health professional is an appropriate thing to do because there are biologic, behavioral, and psychologic strategies that can be brought to bear to help bring your obsessions and your compulsive behaviors under control, which gives you a greater sense of relief and comfort in the world. And how can someone overcome feeling anxious when society places so much emphasis on one's appearance, especially when you're perceived as, you know, looking different? Well, part of this strategy is how much society's value system has to dictate our own internal reaction to others around us. And many successful people, not that they have to become arrogant or dismissive of the views of others, but they realize what they can do and they value what they can think and they don't have to be at the mercy of others. And that's partly a behavioral and learned strategy not to care too much about the impressions and opinions of others. I completely agree. And I think that the role of patient advocacy organizations like the National Psoriasis Foundation and other organizations in the Coalition of Skin Diseases, for example, have a very important role in group support so that people that have a skin condition know that they're not alone. And that even though the pictures that they may see in magazines or the fashion world may not look like them, that there are many other people in the world that look like them and to reestablish what their sense of the range of normal could be. And so I think that the camps, for example, that a lot of these patient advocacy organizations for skin diseases have for children, to be able to go and meet other children that have the same skin conditions they do are really valuable. And the group support and education that your organization provides, I think, helps patients cope with that. Thank you so much for reinforcing that message, that we are so much more than just our appearances. So, Dr. Karosh, when someone's newly diagnosed with psoriatic disease, they have a lot of anxiety about, well, do I tell someone I have the disease or not? Do you have any tips to help reduce that kind of anxiety? And should friends and family be told about the diagnosis? Yeah, I think that for me, I try to reframe that anxiety and reframe that concept. Like Dr. Stern was talking about the importance of reframing how a person's viewing something. And I think it's important in this case as well is that educating a patient and letting them know that there's nothing to be ashamed of or fearful about in telling people that they have psoriasis, I think is important. I've had to really emphasize that psoriasis is not contagious Because I think that the misinformation, you know, the inaccurate information that's been out there in society has been one of the barriers 
and obstacles that has made patients with psoriasis concerned about telling people because they think, oh, well, will these other people think that they can catch psoriasis from me? And so I think that education is very important. And I've had to write letters that my patients can take to school with them, to their work, to various entities, explaining what psoriasis is, that it's in no way contagious, that it's a benign, in most cases, skin condition. So I think that emphasizing that aspect of it and, and also emphasizing that patients are not alone. So one of the main things that I open with is I say, you know, this is not contagious. You don't have to be worried about giving it to anyone else. And that also it's far more common than one might think that it's estimated that one to 3% of the world may have some degree of psoriasis. And I find that patients are somewhat reassured when I put that into perspective for them, that they're not as alone as they might think. And by sharing their diagnosis with others, they may find out that people that they've already known in their life, but they just weren't aware had psoriasis. So I think that reframing it for patients and letting them know that can actually be a positive thing to let people know can be helpful. And then I think that there's an important role of experts, not only dermatologists, but as Dr. Stern was explaining, a psychiatrist or a psychologist that can help a person manage their stress and also manage their viewpoint and framework for living successfully with a skin disease. And then, of course, the role of patient advocacy organizations in having that group support of people coming into the community, seeing that they're not alone, seeing that there are all these other people out there that look like them and that are on that same journey of trying to live successfully with a skin disease can be so helpful. Absolutely. It's truly all a matter of perspective. So for both of you, how can you tell if someone's not coping well with a diagnosis of psoriasis? And what are some of the signs that could indicate professional help may be needed? For me, one indicator that a person may not be coping well with their skin condition is that they're not following the prescribed treatments that their dermatologist has given them or maybe avoiding the issue entirely. And so if it seems like they're in denial or they're having a negative outcome in their therapeutic course in their therapy because they're sort of avoiding the issue or doing things that are harmful. Like say, for example, you've talked to them about how certain triggers could be making their condition worse. And it's one thing to not be perfect in following all the instructions. And it's another to do something that you know is going to trigger your disease and continue to do it. And so that's kind of an indicator to me when someone's doing something that they know might be counterproductive that they might not be doing well emotionally and psychologically. And that's an indicator for me that maybe I need to help this patient establish a relationship with one of my psychiatry colleagues like Dr. Stern. And I would add to that that the two most common buckets of poor coping would be anxiety and depression. If anxiety gets to be too intense, too persistent, too problematic, and lead to avoidance behavior, as Dr. Korosh mentioned, that would be an indication that something different needs to be done. If one has manifestations on the depressive spectrum and one starts to develop alienation, isolation, hopelessness, or thoughts of suicide, those would be clear indications for seeking mental health intervention. 
And Dr. Stern, if signs of depression are noticeable, are pharmacological or other therapy options available to help address the symptoms? Absolutely. As we said before, the principles of biologic, psychologic, social, and cultural aspects of mood and mood disorders is really important to think about. And those interventions could be psychological or social or behavioral, behavioral modification, or they could involve the use of medications. There are a variety of antidepressant medications that are all equally efficacious. There are selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. There are serotonin norepinephrine reuptake inhibitors. There are atypical antidepressants and more. And each of these will effectively treat most cases of depression. You need to use it for the right dose at the right duration for the right individual, being mindful of what other medications somebody is taking to be mindful of their potential drug interaction. But there are lots of strategies that tend to work within several weeks that should be considered. And could you talk a little bit about mindful cognitive therapy? Surely. There are lots of behavioral interventions and mindfulness and cognitive therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy, that all can help people stop the catastrophic thinking, the catastrophization that often happens when one looks at oneself, thinks the worst, begins to feel the worst, and gets into a downward spiral with poor function in the world. And the more you can use these techniques to identify the distorted thinking that goes behind your apprehensions, the more you can create a thoughtful cognitive intervention that provides more than just relaxation training, as could be achieved with meditation or yoga or breathing exercises or regular physical exercise. But these are ways to help you reframe your thinking so that you change the way you react to the previously catastrophic thought. And for you both, how important is it to treat psoriasis as a mind-body connection? From my perspective, the mind and the body are one. There is no false dichotomy between the two. Strong mind, strong body, just like the ancient Greeks and Romans have known for centuries. As a dermatologist, I can say that I observe what Dr. Stern is describing every day in my patients that have skin conditions. When something's wrong with the mind, we see it on the skin. And that's why we work together. That's why I go out of my way to collaborate with my psychiatry colleagues like Dr. Stern is because I see how much it benefits my patients to do that. We know that emotional stress triggers psoriasis. There's a lot of research behind that. And then the life experience of having psoriasis is very stressful itself for a lot of patients. So this can be a vicious cycle. So that's why we have to treat the whole person inside and out and why it's so important for managing physicians that psoriasis patients come to, like dermatologists, to be open and encouraging of patients to seek therapy and to do other forms of stress management, whether that's prayer, meditation, yoga, exercise, joining patient advocacy organizations like the National Psoriasis Foundation that can give them a community of support. Well, you definitely make a wonderful team. Your patients are certainly lucky to have you both collaborating with them on their care. 
So, Dr. Stern, thinking about the whole body approach, what recommendations can you make to help someone who's feeling overwhelmed by stress, especially given the impact COVID-19 has on our world today? Stress is ubiquitous, and we're not going to avoid it. But we have to reframe it so that we can change it into something that we can manage. Even if you've been a lifelong holder of the view that the glass is half empty, with practice, And with guidance, you can change it into viewing the world as the glass is half full. If you practice being thankful and grateful and practice being optimistic, it will start to take hold and it will grow and bear fruit to help change your worldview and your attitude. And that's a worthy goal. I completely agree with that approach. Dr. Karosh and Dr. Stern, do you have any final comments you'd like to share with our listeners about the emotional aspects associated with psoriatic disease? Learn to know yourself and your skin more and more. Learn to take advantage of the collaborative efforts between you, your dermatologist, and your other healthcare providers. Learn more about what makes your skin get triggered and to flare and what you can do to manage it and its complications better. The more informed you are, the more in control you'll be, the more you'll feel happier and content, and the more your skin will thank you for it. I completely agree, and I I think it's important for a person who's been diagnosed with psoriasis to realize that it is a holistic approach to therapy, that they need to be open to treating a whole person and to find the right dermatologist and psychiatrist to understand how to help a person with psoriasis live successfully with their condition. And that can be so important. Patient advocacy organizations like the National Psoriasis Foundation help people in so many ways, which is why I recommend to all my patients with psoriasis to join the NPS and why Dr. Stern and I wrote about the National Psoriasis Foundation in our book, Facing Psoriasis. So that hopefully all people who read this book will know what a great resource they can find in the NPS. Well, thank you so much for your comments today and for being on Soundbites again. The insights you offered about how to approach the emotional aspects of facing psoriasis will be very helpful to so many of our listeners during these stressful times. Thank you also for sharing information about your book, the foundation, and for your continued support. Thank you for the opportunity to speak with you. Thank you. If you are looking for more information about the emotional impact associated with psoriasis, contact the Foundation's Patient Navigation Center by calling 1-800-723-9166, option 1, or by email at education at If you would like support offered through our one-to-one program, please indicate this as you contact the Patient Navigation Center. You don't have to feel alone while living with psoriasis. The National Psoriasis Foundation is here for you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Sound Bites for people with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. If you or someone you love has ever struggled with psoriatic disease, our hope is that through this series, you'll gain information to help you lead a healthier life and inspire you to look to the future. Please join us in a couple weeks for another inspiring podcast. You can find this or all future episodes of Sound Bites on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and the National Psoriasis Foundation webpage. To learn more about this topic or others, please visit psoriasis.org 
or contact us with your questions or comments by email at podcast at psoriasis.org.